It is a test tube Thursday, which means we bring in our science expert, Dan Riskin. Good morning, Dan Riskin. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, I don't know if it's the smoke, but the voice is a little uh, scratchy this morning, but we'll keep moving. Um, Windshield washer fluid, an unexpected source of vehicle emissions. Do tell. Yeah, this is a this is a paper that just came out where uh, they're sort of cataloging all the different things that come off of cars that we need to worry about, and uh, the assumption that as we all move towards an electric future, that these emissions are going to decrease, and that's certainly true for carbon dioxide emissions. But there are other kinds of emissions for which uh, it has nothing to do with what kind of engine you're using. Uh, there are certain things like windshield washer fluid that are not going to change at all, and so they were saying, well, let's look at what comes off of windshield washer fluid, and to be honest, like. I'm not that worked up about this because uh, there are bigger fish to fry when it comes to pollution. There are bigger fish to fry when it comes to uh, the cars that are out there and what they do. And I think the shift to electric is going to address the problems that are really, I mean, there's smoke in the air because of climate change and the climate change is because of all the carbon that comes out of cars. And so working on that problem, I think, is is a good way to focus our energy. But they point out that there are these things, uh, benzene, ethanol, xylene, methanol, toluene, trimethylbenzene these chemicals that are not part of the the co2 problem but that are pollutants and that do come from windshield washer fluid and they 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 argue that it hasn't been accounted for and that it's as more and more people are using cars even if they are electric those chemicals are going to increase and so we should be looking at that as well when we're trying to figure out what the impact of cars is and stuff like that so um just a reminder that uh the, uh, the electric future doesn't solve all the problems but i think this one you can take with a little bit of a Okay, I get it, but this is not as big a burning issue as as other kinds of problems surrounding vehicles and how we get around. Well, and when it comes to windshield wiper fluid, worth mentioning as a reminder to people that um, it's a very tempting treat, apparently, if there's a puddle of it for dogs and cats, and it's terrible for them. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is a hazardous stuff, and and but it also evaporates really quickly. I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's a funny piece of the how to drive a car thing, and and uh, and yeah, and it, it actually that segues nicely into another story I wanted to talk to you I about. Know, which cat about contraception. Cat. Yeah. I'm, I'm entirely in favor of it. <laughs> I think whether you love cats or hate them, uh, the idea of cat contraception is good because uh, if you don't like them, you want fewer of them, and you want them to be under control, and you don't want as many feral cats in your neighborhood contraception is great. And then if you like cats, you probably don't want a bunch of cats to be euthanized every year. And when too many cats are born and they don't have enough homes, and this is not just like a Toronto problem, this is a global problem. I mean, there are 600 million domestic cats in the world and 80% of them, 80% are feral or stray cats that are just sort of fending on their own. And that's just too many. And neutering cats and spaying cats is a surgical, expensive, time-consuming problem and it takes a lot of time and researchers were not trying to solve this problem they were working at a zoo and they were trying to figure out the things relating to how reproduction in mammals and so they had a colony of mice and they were trying to do something with the ovaries of the female and so they injected this hormone which they thought was going to um, sort of regulate things in these mice and all of a sudden the mice stopped ovulating and they were like what and so then they they figured out that what they'd injected was actually causing the whole system to shut down so they said well let's try this on cats let's see if it works and so they had these nine female cats six of them they gave this injection and uh the other the other ones they left alone and uh then they brought in some males and the 
they let them do their thing and four of the females refused to mate the other two mated but couldn't have any babies uh the ones that weren't treated had babies and uh and it worked and so for at least two years just from one injection you've got total contraception for female cats and so they're saying this is pretty exciting it could be five years probably before a commercial product's available but one injection and your cat doesn't have babies for at least two years that could be a game changer for controlling cat populations it's an open question as to whether it would work for dogs Mm -hmm. which is another species for which these problems exist um but people are pretty excited about this it's a it's a really cool and, and the other cool thing about it is it's a gene therapy thing so it's actually that you're injected with a, a weak virus uh the virus then goes to the muscle cells of the cat and then it sort of sets up shop and just produce reads its own dna and makes these proteins that then mess with the uh the ovulation so anyway it's it's neat and promising Meanwhile, a new study showing treatment for tinnitus, and that is going to be welcome news. I, I can't imagine something more debilitating and irksome than uh, tinnitus. Yeah, I mean, it's estimated that 15% of adults in the United States have it, so presumably the same is true for Canada. Uh, and so this is the, the constant ringing, a constant noise that you hear all the time. And sometimes it can get louder. Uh, if you clench your jaw, perhaps, uh, sometimes that noise gets gets louder. Um, of the people who have tinnitus, 40% uh, of people have it constantly, and they are actively looking for a way to make that stop. It's got to be just, just debilitating. And uh, there was a paper that you and I talked about back in 2020, where there was this weird thing where you would listen to music that would go from one ear to the other, and you had this paddle in your mouth, and it was on your tongue, and it would give little tiny electric shocks to your tongue. And for whatever reason, it was working. This seems to be research that builds on that. But instead of having to have something in your mouth, you put these electrodes on your skin, uh, on the back of your neck, I believe. And uh, and you listen to sounds while you get very, very subtle shocks, uh, or, or little zaps, or whatever you want to call it, so it doesn't sound like it's bad. Uh, and and, and it, it apparently works really well. So they did a nice uh, controlled study where some people listened to the sounds and other people listened to the sounds while they were getting the shocks. And uh, the people that were getting those very small shocks, they call it bisensory treatment. So two senses at once. Um, they improved uh, quality of life. They had lower scores for their how bad their tinnitus was and their tinnitus seemed to get quieter. Uh, and so that's, that's really exciting because, uh, you know, it's sort of this mystery illness that seems to come from the brain. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be something that's wrong with your ears. It seems to be something with the way that the signal is processed. And this may be a way to reset that. Now, I like zombie movies and TV shows. I'm not going to be a fan, I'm sure, of zombie viruses. Yeah, this is a, a review paper that came out. Well, it's, it's actually not a review. What it is, is it, it's a study where a bunch of scientists were like, you know, I don't think people are worried enough about viruses that are locked in the permafrost coming out as the permafrost melts. Uh, there are lots of things to worry about as permafrost melts, all the released methane and carbon dioxide that is going to just further climate change. And that's, that's something to definitely stress about. But there are viruses that are locked up in there that have been there for up to a million years that are now being released. And so we should have those on our radar. And so this study basically isolated a bunch of different viruses that have been uh, that have been isolated. And these are viruses that can infect an amoeba. What they're very careful not to say, oh, let's see if we can get a virus that can infect people because they're not looking for that. We kind of just don't want to find it. And so they're not actively digging for that. But they do have these viruses that can infect amoebas. They find a bunch of those. They've got a nice big list of those 
shows that come out. But uh, in writing an article about this, the Daily Mail has just pointed out there are other things up there that do infect people. We've got in the 90s, they got some flu, uh, the 1918 flu, the, the really terrible one. Uh, some of that genetic material was isolated in the 1990s from a dead body. We've also got smallpox that has been isolated from dead bodies that have been dug up from the permafrost that were 300 years old. Uh, and so the, the risk that somebody died from something that doesn't kill us anymore, and then their body thaws, and then that virus is reintroduced is, is one of the things that we have to worry about with climate change. So Super. That, that's a nice way to start your day. Thank you very much. It's not even breakfast time and we're all going to die. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Dan Reskin is our science expert. He joins us for Test Tube Thursdays on Thursday.